And let's go over to Facebook. Been a while. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I go, do I seen a lot of movies in the time too. Yeah. Do I remember how to do this? I entered an old password. Really? Um, let's see. What could it possibly be? Incorrect. Okay. How about this one? Oh, it likes that one. Okay. Oops. Hmm. It's funny. I think we're going to go live in three, two, one. Well, hello there, and welcome to Frankie Sense and More in February. Well, it's almost that time of year time when the Oscars are gonna to start to roll around. And we have some movies for you today to talk about and some Oscar predictions as well. So I'm here with Brent Marchand. He is our resident movie critic, if you will, from Chicago. And I'm Frankie Picasso from Toronto. And we are going to discuss the movies. Let's go to the movies, Brent. Hey, Frankie. Hey, everybody. How is, how's everybody doing? Yep, it's been a little yep. while since we've been here. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got we've got five new movies today, uh, and we're going to start off with the film Living, okay, which see. is a sort of a remake of an old Japanese film called Ikiru by the acclaimed director uh, Akira Kurosawa, which okay. was originally made in 1952. Uh, this tells the story of a uh, a businessman who has lived a very rigid, regimented life. And unfortunately, there's not really been a lot of joy in it, simply because he's been so focused on, you know, maintaining this routine. And, um, you know, it reaches the point where, unfortunately, he learns that he's got a fatal illness and doesn't have a lot of time left. What he wants to do is make sure that he leaves a legacy, gives something back meaningful to the world. But because he's lived a life so set by schedules and routines and regulations and rules that he doesn't know how to go about it. So he looks for different sources of uh, inspiration and ideas from different people he knows, and some he doesn't know, uh, to see if he can figure out what to do. And basically it's his story of wanting to, you know, fulfill that ambition of leaving something behind meaningful. Uh, I'm sure it's something that almost anybody who's getting on in years and is approaching the finish line of their lives that they can probably feel. And this movie really captures the feelings behind that very effectively. It feels that absolutely features an absolutely superb performance by Bill Nye who is a wonderful character actor who's done a lot of great work over the years and he's really not received a whole lot of recognition for it. 
thankfully, this time he has received his first Oscar nomination for Best Lead Actor for this particular role. And he does a, a wonderful job. Uh, it's a really heartfelt movie with beautiful cinematography and a moving score and just a, a tremendous performance on his part. This movie really will touch people in many ways. Uh, I found that it was uh, something that may not necessarily appeal to younger younger viewers, but certainly those who are getting on in years will be able to relate to a lot of what he's talking about in this film. Uh, and it's also very faithful to the original Japanese version. Oh, okay. uh, this one is this one is set in England, but in terms of the uh, the way the story unfolds, it's very faithful to the original. So uh, that's that's good too because you know it's always rather chancy when you go to remake a classic and you know do it justice. This in this case, yes, that's very much the case here. Uh, there are some some shots that are recreated in an almost identical way to the original film, wow. which really adds more credibility and uh, authenticity to the telling of this particular story. He's one of my favorite actors. He's very versatile. He, I mean, he can be funny as heck and serious. And like the, the girl from the cafe was one of my favorite ones that he did. And yes. like really, really good. Um, and he's just a beautiful, beautiful actor really is and been around for a long time. He really has. And, and like I said, I'm really glad to see he's finally getting the recognition that he is long overdue for receiving. Absolutely. Um, so this is one that I, I recommend very highly. Uh, it's nearing the end of its um, theatrical run at this point. So uh, it may still be in, in theaters in some places for another couple of weeks, again, because of his Oscar nomination. Uh, but I'm sure that, you know, once the Oscars are passed, if you want to stream it, you'll probably be able to find it fairly soon. So, yeah, I would think so. So this is a, this is a really good film. Uh, and I would give this four out of five stars. Nice. OK. Yeah. Four out of five. Sounds good. OK, so there we go. OK, so next we have a film that's been uh, kind of a, the source of an unexpected controversy in some ways, but really? yeah, but basically this is uh to Leslie tells the story of a woman who is a, a lottery winner and she ends up unfortunately running through her money going out and, you know, binging and partying and losing all of her friends and possessions and even connections with her son. So it's her attempt to try and get back on her feet. Now this is a, a fairly familiar kind of storyline in many ways, but the way it's told here is really uh, quite captivating, mainly because of the performance of Andrea Riseborough in the lead role. She is just outstanding. Phenomenal. I mean, she, I mean, I really have liked virtually almost everything she's ever done, but this is far and away her best performance. And the reason why I say it's a controversy is that um, all throughout movie awards season this year, she's pretty much been overlooked for recognition until the Oscar nominations came out and she received a nomination for Best Actress. And a lot of people were very happy to see it, but a lot of people were also like, who is this person? What is this movie? Why, is it, why did they bother to pick something so obscure? Well, I mean, they picked it because she's that good. 
you know, and it's unfortunate that she's been kind of bullied ever since, you know, that nomination came down. Wow. Because there were some other performers who were expected to receive nominations and got left out. I I, I can see that there were some people definitely left out. However, yeah. I thought To Leslie was a phenomenal movie. Absolutely yes. enjoyed every second of it. She was fantastic. I mean, she really portrayed, you know, somebody who she really she looked like an alcoholic. She acted like, like she was yep. amazing. She really, she really had it, Janet. And and her transformation was a beautiful and um you know, just she she played it right right perfectly, just yeah. perfectly, like a like a violin, you know, like really like a maestro. She did a great great job on this movie. Love well, it. and she and she really captures you know the the Texas good old girl kind of attitude and accent and actions to a T. And I mean, yeah. she's British, I believe, by by birth. So I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's quite a challenge to take on. Um, but and she's also got a tremendous supporting cast behind her with Mark Maron, Alice and Jenny, Stephen Root. I mean, it's just Jenny is fantastic. Yeah, it's she really a shame that this it's really a shame that this movie has not gotten more recognition than it has. But it's an independent film, and you know, a lot of independent films have trouble with distribution. So uh it was in theaters very, very briefly back in the fall. Uh, went to streaming very quickly and you know it's not one of the more widely known films so yeah. because of that you know it hasn't received a lot of attention but because of the strength of her performance um, she had a lot of very high profile people in Hollywood backing her saying how come you are not nominating this woman for her performance here including Kate Blanchett who is one of her competitors at the Oscars yeah I mean, yeah, you know, what's, wow. what's there to be gained from, you know, supporting a competitor other than the fact that she really wants to make sure that, you know, she gets her props for doing this role. Um, so it, Good you to know, see it, women, women supporting other women, number one. Yeah. Yeah. And just talent, supporting talent. Like you recognize, Kate Blanchett's obviously a huge talent. She's an amazing talent. And for her to recognize Leslie and say, hey, you know what, people like you are missing out here. Absolutely, good, good for her. Shows her, her heart, man. I love it. Now there has there have been some claims made. I don't know how legitimate they are that there was some like some improper campaigning going on to. I heard about uh, that. Gain her nominations, which, I mean, there's all kinds of campaigning that goes on in Hollywood. So I mean, this really wouldn't be anything unusual. I think one of the one of the things behind that is that. Because she ended up getting a nomination, some of the other people who were expected to get nominations didn't. And I wouldn't say that it's a case of blaming her. I would say it's a case of, you know, why weren't the campaigns for the other people who were left out stronger, you know, to land a position here? I mean, there are a few other people in the field who I think would probably be better off left out. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that Andrea is one of them, but she seems to have been like a... a you know, a target for this kind yeah. of behavior. So it's a shame. It's a shame. Um, it may have very well have torpedoed her chances of winning an Oscar simply because of that. Um, because it's sort of like, you know, guilt by association, that sort of thing. Um, but either way, I mean, regardless of how things play out when the awards come around, I really strongly recommend that people see this film because it's yeah. just that well done. Agreed. And I would give it, again, a four out of five. Yeah, me too. 
Agreed. All right. This okay. one I didn't get to see, but I really wanted to see it. <laughs> this one is a is a really strange one. It's 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 a movie from Korea. It's called Broker. Um, it has been playing in theaters. It's probably nearing the end of its theatrical run now, but it will again will probably be available for, for streaming sometime soon. Um, this is a film about a an operation that that deals in uh, selling black market babies in South Korea, and you would think that, gosh, that sounds like a really heavy duty subject to be addressing in a film. It actually turns out to be something of a mild comedy uh, in the fact that the whole operation involves a group of people who have lived their lives fairly, um, very, very much in solitude, like the orphans that they're often trying to, to sell. And when they all end up coming together in one particular scenario where they're trying to, you know, market a child that isn't... <laughs> not being, uh, no takers are really going for it. Um, they end up staying together a lot longer than originally anticipated and they become almost a sort of family of their own. And they end up getting into a lot of very humorous little situations that most families get into. Uh, it's, it's a delightfully quirky film. It was made by the Japanese director, Koreeda Hirokazu. And, um, this is a, a theme that he's kind of he's kind of dealt with in some of his other films. The idea of like people from different backgrounds and different um, ways of life coming together to form like de facto families. And I would say this is probably um, one of his best efforts in that regard. And it was very widely recognized uh, last year at the Cannes Film Festival for you know its accomplishments. So. Um, it, it's it's fun. It's quirky. It's not what you expect, given the subject matter. Uh, it's really very enjoyable. I'm addicted to Korean TV. I am like an addict. <laughs> like, like <laughs> literally, I'm like, what other show can I watch? What other show can I watch? I love Korean movies and Korean TV. I think they have a wonderful sense of humor and just a really amazing subjects that they that they tackle and they do it in a different way and it's it's fun they, they're really delightful people well and they really do i mean when you think about that the only foreign film that has ever won the best picture oscar it yeah. came from korea from Paris right. a couple yeah, years ago right. so i mean you know they they have a lot of very talented filmmakers working over there which was funny and kind of weird but funny yes right yes the, absolutely the, the concept yeah <laughs> so this is a this is a delightful little gem i i, I again I, I recommend this one highly and and you know keeping consistent with what i've been saying today this one gets a four out of five all right let's go on okay so next we have a film it's a it's a documentary that was produced by amazon called wildcat and this is a very moving film that tells the story of a British soldier who served in Afghanistan and ended up coming back from the war with severe PTSD and depression and suicidal thoughts and was ready to hang it up because he didn't think that life had any, any it wasn't worth living. So what he decided to do was he, he packed up his things and he went to the Peruvian rainforest and he was looking to essentially kind of, you know, disappear, waste away, however you want to call it. But when he was there, he ended up landing a job with a scientist and conservationist who was studying wildlife rescue. 
And he became so enchanted with the rainforest environment, with so much with, with the kind of work that he was doing. And in particular, he was really taken up with doing work involving uh, an effort to train uh, abandoned ocelots for uh, a return to the forest, learning to help them figure out how to you know, survive on their own, uh, not require human support to keep them alive and, and established. And it ended up not only benefiting the cats, but it also ended up benefiting him because it gave him a purpose that he mm -hmm. didn't feel that he had when he was, you know, when he came back from the war. On top of that, the, the scientist and conservationist who he was working with was a woman who ended up becoming his romantic partner as well. And she had a stake in this and the fact that uh, she grew up with an alcoholic father and it left a lot of scars on her part. So her working with uh, the soldier ended up giving her an additional purpose besides being there, you know, to help promote wildlife rescue. It's a, it's a very interesting and somewhat unexpectedly involved story, uh, especially since it's true on top yeah. of that. It, 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 it really touches the heartstrings a lot, I found. Yep. Uh, the cats were beautiful, just beautiful. And adorable. I mean, the ocelots are just absolutely adorable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's interesting to see their transformation in terms of going from, you know, being these kind of cute, cuddly little creatures into, yeah. you know, feral cats who are trying to survive. But, you know, he also faces his difficulties in this film because, you um, he has this sort of dual-edged sword of being attached to them, but then realizing he has to become unattached mm -hmm. if they're going to be able to survive in the wild. And when the cats don't let go of him always as well as he would like them to, uh, it causes him to almost backslide a little bit with his um, his mental health issues because he, you know, he feels like he's failed. I, I didn't prepare them adequately to go into the wild. Well, you know, given how Love cute they are, it's, it's kind of understandable how you would be reluctant to want to let go of them. Yeah. Um, but this is a, a really enjoyable film. I, I It's a, a one of the 2022's documentaries that really didn't receive a whole lot of fanfare. Uh, but it is available for streaming on Amazon Prime. So if you're interested in seeing a film that's involved, touching, uh, you know, beautifully filmed, uh, I, I recommend this one very highly. And, well, staying consistent again. <laughs> <laughs> this one, this is another one that gets four out of five. All right. These are high marks for breaking guys. Yeah, well, you know, I, these were all interesting. It's interesting in the fact that these were all kind of like late season releases. And a lot of times when you get to, you know, late into the award season, um you get kind of the drips and drabs that are left over that didn't make it out earlier, but, but these are all very quality films and I, you know, recommend them very highly. So, and then, you know, finally our last film today, uh, this is a, a Netflix offering um, called the swimmers. Just love this film. And this is a, um, uh, it's based on a true story about two sisters who uh, were competitive swimmers who lived in Syria. 
And when the uh, Syrian civil war began to heat up, their lives were in danger and also their dreams of becoming, you know, competitive swimmers on uh, the Olympic level, they realized they had to get out. So they were part of the mass exodus of uh, refugees who left Syria at the time in 2015 to make their way to Europe to try and find safety. Uh, and it's it's interesting in the fact that, you know, not only tells the story of their journey, which was filled with all kinds of peril and adventures and yeah. But also it, it gave them, you know, it showed that they had qualities that they didn't realize they possessed in terms of resilience and stamina and resourcefulness. Um, and all of that was brought out through this adventure as they made their way from Syria to Germany. Um, yeah, I think it was really cool that it was played by real life sisters. Obviously yes. not the same sisters, but real life sisters. Yes. Um, and that really showed, you know, you, you felt something there between them. And I, I felt, you know, I said to I said to my husband last night, when we went to the concentration camp and we saw all those shoes, and then yes. you come to the beach and you see all the life jackets. Yes. It was almost the same feeling, you yes. know, of, my God, what did we do to humanity? Like, what did we exactly. do? What are we doing? Yeah, exactly. it was very poignant. Yeah. And the the other thing I liked about this movie too is, as you mentioned, is played by these two real life sisters. Um, the, the real life sisters in the in the, from the original story um, had different destinies, and one was obviously more talented than the other, uh, and it kind of left the the second sibling sort of in her sister's shadow. I mean, she had her her younger sister was destined for greatness. Um, she had to kind of find herself in the fact that she was not going to follow the same path. Mm -hmm. So this gets into a lot of issues related to sibling relationships as well, which I find was interesting given the fact that even in the midst of all this turmoil that they were going through, that an issue like that would still, you know, be present as they made their way through. Um, and the other thing I liked about this film too, is that when they were, when they're making their exodus to Europe, uh, while the majority of the people were from Syria, there were refugees from all kinds of other places yeah. who were who were part of this, you know, this odyssey. So it really sheds a bright light on uh, understanding the the world refugee crisis. Oh my that, God, yeah, and it, it you know it just pissed me off so much. I have to say, just how ignorant people are to, uh, to people who are so desperate in need that they rip them off just yes. dramatically and yes. they don't even think twice about doing it no absolutely you know? like take i'll just take your last penny and then i'll just leave you you know like without conscience it, it's just it's unconscionable it really is it's, it's and, really and regardless of how much danger it might put you into in the process yeah yeah they, they just don't care and because they see desperation and think oh i can make some money from that yep and, and and also the fact that uh you you also had other perils that the girls faced along the way too, such as sexual predators. Yeah. And then, you know, the opportunists who were willing to take their money. But it also provided them with an opportunity, in addition to, you know, finding out things about themselves, they also had opportunities to make new friends along the way too. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of uh, uh, fellow refugees in particular who they hang out with. And they all, you know, come together and help to support one another as they're making this journey. 
Uh, one of them is a young guy from Pakistan, and the other one is a young mother from Somalia who's got her infant in tow with her. And uh, they, they're all, you know, got different destinations that they're hoping to get to, but they all have the same goal of getting away from the absolutely deplorable conditions under which Yeah, so you have working. the desperate people helping one another, and those yes. who see the desperate people trying to rip them off. I mean, yes. it's such a disparity, isn't it? How, how it really you know, is. Yeah. But it's it's also to see the way the desperate people come together to help one another. That's right. The best, of, you know? the, the best of humanity against the worst of humanity. Exactly. Exactly. And and yeah. uh, it's all very vibrantly captured in this film. So, um, yeah. again, this is another one that has kind of slipped under the radar, even though it was streaming on Netflix uh, since, I believe, November. And it is um, in English, mostly. And yeah. and. You know, Sarah, the old, the eldest um, sister, she kind of did find herself. She thought, I'm going to go back and help refugees. I'm going to go back to yes. that beach and help those people. And then she got arrested. I don't know what happened to her. I haven't thought, did you find out? Uh, as I've heard it, her case is still pending. Is it still pending? Because she could get 20 pending, years. So. She could get 20 years in jail. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Yep, exactly. Just um, <laughs> unbelievable. And, uh, and this one, um, the way I heard about it actually was... Um, it was a nominee in the recent BAFTA Awards competition, which is the British equivalent of the Oscars. It was nominated for Best British Film. It didn't win, but at least it managed to, you know, rise to the surface to get some attention. Yeah. And I think that's important because this is a film that really needs to be seen more widely than it is. And especially since it's, you know, so readily, easily available, just going to Netflix. I mean, you yeah. know, you stream it right there. So it's like great movie. People go and watch it. You're missing out if you don't see that movie. It's yeah. also um, beautifully filmed, you know, mm -hmm. at, at, you know, the uh, not just the the exodus shots, but everything else with the way the a oh, lot of the images in the are pool. But she's in the pool and, and the yes. bomb goes through. Oh, yes. That's what I'm saying. Yes. So My um, the only uh, the only issue I had with it was it, it was a little long. I felt that there maybe could have been chopped down just a little bit. Um, particularly in the uh, the Exodus sequence, I thought it went on a, a, just a little bit longer than it needed to, given everything that was involved in this story. I mean, so many aspects that you're trying to work yeah. in and you know cover in a reasonable amount of time. But um, you know, that's a pretty small criticism in comparison to everything else the film has to offer. So, I recommend it highly. I would give this one three and a half stars. Okay. Okay. I'm, you know, it's interesting because talking about the BAFTAs and, and, you know, coming up with your list of Oscar of Oscars, um, you know, contenders, uh, what hit the BAFTAs last night and, you know, in big and, and then, you know, we see this wasn't, you know, this was on it, but other movies weren't even here. Like we didn't even hear about some of the other movies. Yeah. And yet, you know, the British thought they were the greatest thing. So it's, it's, it's kind of going to be interesting little fight here. Well, one thing that's happened with the Baptists the past couple of years is there has been more of a turn toward including genuinely bona fide British-made films. Uh, you know, for the longest time, the Baptists were dominated by American films. And, you know, they're still getting nominated, but, you know, the, the, the ratio of American to British films is beginning to shift a little bit. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a good thing because, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, the British make a lot of good movies and um, that gives them an opportunity for those, pro you know, productions to shine. 
and hopefully, you know, get released in the U.S. So, so um, now we have. Uh, oh, I wanted before we get to the Oscars. There's one quick thing I wanted to mention. Um, it was 2022 now in the books. Uh, I recently posted on my website uh, my list of best and worst films from 2022, uh, as well as an item about uh, the best and worst in documentaries. I always separate the documentaries out because I, I think it's kind of difficult to compare apples to oranges and throw them in, you know, with the, yeah. the narrative features. So if you want to read what I thought about last year's releases in terms of best, worst, and documentaries. I want to know what you thought was number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go to go to my website, uh, brentmarchant.com. You'll find links to all of them there. So all right. And, and there's a lot of movies listed that, that you that you may not have heard of. So, you know, this gives you um more movie options to see, you know, that you may not have heard of. So okay. on to the Oscars, uh, which okay. are coming out on um March 12th. And we'll go through uh, the top six categories. Um, we'll start off with Best Actor, which features um, Austin Butler for Elvis, Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inna Sharon, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Paul Mescal for After Sun, and Bill Nye for Living. And this is a really interesting makeup of performances because these are all first-time nominees, which is kind of hard to believe when you consider how long you know people like Bill Nye and Brendan Fraser and Colin Farrell have all been around. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're veteran actors. And then you've got uh, Austin Butler and Paul Mescal, who are both newcomers. And all five of them are playing characters who have, uh, I, I would say, issues or flaws in terms of, you know, the way they carry themselves and live their lives. Um, at this point, it, I think you can pretty much rule out Paul Mescal and Bill Nye, unfortunately. And it's really down to the other three, Brendan Fraser, Colin Farrell, and Austin Butler. Um, to me, the one who is most deserving here is Brendan Fraser for the way. I agree. I mean, I agree. Although just... Elvis, Austin did a fantastic job playing Elvis. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> he really did. And actually, um, you know, I'm surprised. Well, when you get there, I'll say it. But, you know, Tom Hanks playing the, 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 the colonel. He did a fantastic job playing the colonel. He's not even mentioned as a supporting actor. Well, the the supporting the supporting actor and actress character uh, categories this year had just a huge pool of people they could have drawn from. So, I mean, even getting narrowing it down to five in both cases was, yeah. you know, really next to impossible. But um, I love the love, love, love the well. <laughs> now, as far as who will win the best actor category, it's kind of up for grabs between Brendan Fraser and Austin Butler. I think so. um, I'm a little bit surprised by that because when the when award season started out, it was pretty much between Brendan Fraser and Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell has kind of faded from you know the scene a little bit more as time has gone on, and Austin Butler has really come on strong. But when it comes to how the Academy voters are going to go, I think they're going to go with Brendan Fraser simply because it's such a phenomenal performance, and also the fact that. Um, it's kind of a, a comeback story for him. He had been away from movies for a while, and for him to take on such a challenging role as this one, uh, I think they're they're willing to uh, recognize that. Uh, there's a certain 
uplifting quality about the performance and about the role and about the character. Uh, again, despite the flaws yeah. that um, it just really isn't there quite to the same degree as, you know, with the other performances in this category. So. The only thing I'd say about that is there might be a little sentimentality about Lisa Marie dying this year and Elvis, maybe. Yes, that, that is a possibility. Um, Although he, I still think he deserves he deserves it. Either both of them deserve it. It, it. can't be both of them. That's the unfortunate part. But I think he did a phenomenal job recreating. Yeah, I, I kind of felt like, you know, this was Austin Butler's. I mean, when I saw the movie, I knew he was going to get nominated because it was just such a strong performance. I kind of felt, though, that this was uh, kind of like a um, he's like making a down payment on his acting future. He's getting, you know, this is getting him noticed. Uh, it's going to make him, it's probably going to get him some better, you know, better and more parts going forward. Yeah. Um, I, I've noticed him for a long time. He's not been in a lot of stuff. He's just, yeah. his name just hasn't been boom, 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 you know? Exactly. Uh, I recognize him immediately, but yeah, I, I agree with you there, but I think, I think it was right up there with um, Freddie, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, so right now, um, the, you know the the ads makers and and the prognosticators of they're kind of split between those two. Um, I think there's more sentimentality leaning toward Brendan Fraser, and I think he'll end up your winner. I hope so. I love that. Yeah. Okay, so then moving on to Best Actress, we have Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna De Armas for Blonde, Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie, Michelle Williams for The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh for Everything Everywhere All at Once. This is another one that's kind of a, a split right now uh, between Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Um, when the movie awards season started, it was almost a foregone conclusion that Kate Blanchett was going to walk away with it. But in some of the other competitions, Michelle Yeoh has come and risen to the surface. I and, love Michelle Yeoh. <laughs> yeah, and 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 honestly, when you when you compare the two. Um, the Oscar voters like to give awards for performances that are heartfelt, uplifting, and Michelle Yeoh's character certainly embodies that in so many ways. Whereas, you know, Kate Blanchett's character is just like a horrible harpy in many ways. I mean, I, I didn't like that movie. She's she's very unlikable. I mean, it's a great performance, but I mean, it's a yeah. very unlikable character. Um, and, you know, given the fact that uh, Michelle Yeoh has been around for a long time, never received any kind of recognition, yeah. Kate Blanchett already has two Oscars. And it's not to say that she doesn't deserve more, but yeah. I just don't know if um, the wind is going to quite blow her way. From what I've seen, from what the prognosticators have been saying, the momentum seems to be in Michelle Yeoh's favor. Now that could all change this coming weekend with the presentation of the Screen Actors Guild Awards. Uh, if Kate Blanchett wins, wins there, it may seal the, de the deal for her simply because uh, the Screen Actors Guild Awards oftentimes are a bellwether in terms of indicating who's going to go on to win at the Oscars. If Michelle Yeoh wins there, well, then that could really, you know, send things very much in her direction. So. Uh, I would give the edge to her at this point because I think the momentum is moving in her way, but it could just as easily be Kate Blanchett as well. Um, 
Andrea Riseborough, I, I feel, is a very strong candidate here and could very easily, in any under other circumstances than what we talked about earlier, maybe been uh, in a position to challenge those two, but I don't think that that's going to happen yeah. at this point. And as for uh, Anna de Armas, um, I was really even kind of disappointed to see that she was nominated. It was a very inconsistent performance. And Michelle Williams, as good as she was, was a, playing a role that sort of straddled the line between supporting and lead. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if um, if they wanted to, you know, pick on anybody who should have been left out, it probably would have been one of those two because, Again, I didn't think Anna de Armas's performance was strong enough, and Michelle Williams probably would have been more realistically categorized as a, as a supporting role. That would have opened up two slots for people who got snubbed, and the yeah. one who I think really uh, most readily got snubbed was um, uh, Danielle Deadweiler for for Till. Uh, her exclusion from this race was just, to me, um, criminal. I mean, her, I felt that she was the best lead female performance of the year and to not even get nominated. That's just, that's just wrong. So, um, so then moving on to supporting actor, we have Brendan Gleeson from the Banshees of Inisherin, yep. Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway, Judd Hirsch for the Fablemans, Barry Keegan for the Banshees of Inisherin and Kihi Kwan for Everything Everywhere All at Once. And this one, I think you can pretty much call as a lock for Kihi Kwan at this point. I mean, he's won virtually everything up to this point. I don't see that changing. Um, he's another one who's kind of like the comeback kid. You know, even though he has done some work over the years, I mean, most people don't really remember him for anything all the way back to his appearance in uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom when he was still a youngster. Hmm. Um, but, um, you know, it's a good performance. Um, I can't say that he would be my choice for winning. Um, my choice here would probably be Judd Hirsch for the Fablemans. It's the one thing that's kind of working against him is the fact that it's a role that has very little screen time. Um, but he, I thought he was wonderful and I really wished that he had been featured in the film more than he was. But uh, I think he is gonna be in a position to say that you know, getting nominated was his reward. Yeah, yeah. Um, I also liked Barry Keegan from The Banshees of Inisherin, which um, was a movie I really didn't like very much at all. It, that movie just left me very cold. But he does a great job um, in his role. And he did end up winning the BAFTA Award for Best Supporting Actor. I would say that if there's anybody here who could challenge Kihi Kwan, it would probably be Barry Keegan, but I don't think it's, I don't think there's enough momentum behind him at this point, you know, to carry him through on that. Um, as far as uh, Brendan Gleeson and Brian Tyree Henry, again, I think uh, their nominations are their awards, so. Okay, so then moving on to Best Supporting Actress. We have Angela Bassett for Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Hong Chow for The Whale, Carrie Condon for The Banshees of Inisherin, Jamie Lee Curtis for Everything Everywhere All at Once, and Stephanie Hsu for Everything Everywhere All at Once. This is a like positively jam-packed category of nominees. I mean, yeah. all five of them were terrific. 
I thought Sadie Sink was terrific for the whale. I yeah. think she should have been in there. She was amazing. Well, you know, again, you know, when I kind of look back on on all of the movies of the last year and who the potential candidates were supporting actress, I could come up with a really long list of people who could have easily qualified for being in this category. Obviously, you know, with having to narrow it down to five, it becomes, yeah. you know, more challenging. Um, and I certainly think this is a good field. But like I say, there were a lot of other people who could have qualified here. Um, this one is like the supporting actor category. Uh, this one is, I think, almost a slam dunk for Angela Bassett. She's won just about everything coming into this. Uh, it's probably some of the best work she's done in years. Uh, and, you know, she's um, she's been passed over. I mean, she was only nominated one other time for uh, What's Love Got to Do With It. Uh, but this is just a really powerful role. And I, I think that um, she really deserves it. And I think she'll end up taking it. The other thing I found interesting is the fact that um, this is a Marvel movie and you've got somebody nominated in an acting category. That's I don't think that's ever happened before. Uh, so that really lends a lot of credibility to the Marvel movies in terms of them being capable of being more than just you know, action adventure movies. Uh, the fact that they can actually have genuinely strong, serious contending acting performances nominated. And she is a very, very good representative of that mm -hmm. in her role in this film. Uh, the only one who has beaten her this year is uh, Carrie Conan for The Banshees of Inisherin. She did win the BAFTA award. Uh, it's it's a good performance, but I think Angela Bassett was. I think the Banshees is a movie that you love or you hate. Like, there's no in between. You can't feel warm about it. Like, yeah, I'm I'm on the hating end of it because I mean I you know the the director the director who made this has made a, a number of other really good films, and I came away from this one saying to myself, what was he thinking? I mean, I, I, just, I I did too, and yet my son was like, Ma, you have to watch it. It's so good. And I'm like, eh, I don't think I didn't feel that. <laughs> yeah. And, and also the fact that it was it was labeled in, by a lot of people as being a comedy. Yeah. And I don't think I laughed once during the whole time that I watched it. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll admit it was well acted and it had beautiful cinematography and a great score and a nice production design. I mean, technically, all the elements were there. And I always really it just liked didn't like have a story. Yeah. I, I <laughs> Yeah. I, I, I didn't I didn't really understand the logic behind the story. And I mean, me neither. You know, some people have told me, oh, well, you know, you really need to be well acquainted with some of the unusual character of Irish folktales to appreciate it. And I'm like, well, yeah, then you shouldn't have to, when you watch a movie, you shouldn't have to go do a background check on everything. Before exactly. You exactly. You know, so. Yeah. OK, so then uh, moving on. Uh, if we can get the list back up once again. Oh, sure. Yeah. Hang on a second. Um, we have the uh, the category of uh, best director. And this is an interesting bunch. Um, we have um, Todd Field for Tar, uh, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Shiner for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inisherin, Ruben Oslin for Triangle of Sadness, and Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. Um, this one, I think, is going to end up going to Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert for everything, everywhere, all at once. They've been they're on a roll right now. They won the Directors Guild Award for Best Directors. 
And, um, you know, they've been receiving a lot of high praise. Their movie ended up having the, the greatest number of nominations to come out at the Oscars this year. Um, I think this is their opportunity to shine. Originally, I was leaning more towards Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans. I know you really like that one. Yeah, simply because, you know, he was, um, you know, he was telling his own story, essentially. And he did win the Golden Globe um, for uh, Best um, Dramatic Film, which a lot of times can, you know, bode well for director's awards in later competitions. Mm-hmm. But the movie has kind of sputtered in some of the later competitions. And I, I think that he may have fallen off the radar at this point. So um it's it, you know, it's it's I guess one he's another case of be thankful for having been nominated, you know. Uh, he's certainly done a lot of great work over the years, but it, it may be time for you know the new guard to step forward with the Daniels. Uh, as for the other three, um, Todd Field for Tar, um, Martin McDonough and Robin, uh, Ruben Oslin. Uh, again, I think that the getting nominated is their reward. Uh, if there was anybody of those three who I would, wouldn't mind seeing being honored, it would be Ruben Oslin for Triangle of Sadness, which was a really wild film in so many ways. <laughs> um, but I don't think that it's... Um, I don't think it's well enough known to uh, attract the attention, but um, and as far as Martin McDonough, um, there are some people who are pulling for him, thinking that he might pull it off. Uh, he did win the Golden Globe for Best Director, but the um, um, it's it, like we said, the, the Banshees just is not a movie that I think a lot of people warm up to. Yeah. Um, and, and also, you know, when you look at some of Martin McDonough's other films, this one really pales in comparison. He also d- directed a few years ago, he directed um, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Oh, that was a great movie. Which was a wonderful film. Yeah. I mean, uh, and, uh, you know, about a decade or so before that, he did the, um, the, the dark comedy In Bruges, which was also a lot of fun. Um, which is why this movie, to me, was just such a letdown. I mean, yeah having seen these other really terrific films and then seeing this, it's like, well, okay. <laughs> Next, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, look at Best Picture. Okay, so then Best Picture, um, we have the nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Sharon, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. This one, this is a category that comes down to, I think, three of the nominees, possibly a fourth. Uh, it's down to everything, everywhere, all at once, the Banshees of Inisherin, the Fablemans, and possibly All Quiet on the Western Front. Um, all Quiet on the Western Front was, I think, off the radar until this past weekend yeah. at the Bento Awards when it took yeah. Best Picture, which really shocked me. I mean... Um, yeah, me too. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, it won seven BAFTAs, which was like just astounding. I mean, um, and also the Banshees of Sharon did very well at, at the BAFTAs. Uh, everything, everywhere, all at once at the BAFTAs only took one award. It took the Best Editing Award, and that was it. Wow. Uh, and the Fablemans, I think, only got like two nominations and no wins there. Um, as far as the, among those four, uh, at this point, 
all the indications again are leaning toward everything everywhere all at once. It just seems to have this momentum and mojo behind it right now that is going to um, land it as the as the, the winner of the Best Picture award. And it's so interesting because it's so unlike the kind of films that the Oscars would typically honor. You know, it's it's this got this kind of manic pacing and these wild visuals and dealing with subject matter that's far from typical for the Oscars. Um, yet it really, you know, attracted a lot of attention among critics and among viewers. It stayed in theaters for a long time. It made a lot of money and wasn't expected to. Um, it was a release that came out in April. I mean, usually movies that come out that early in the year are almost forgotten by Oscar time, let alone, you know, ended up receiving the greatest number of nominations. Yeah. Um, it was a film that I... I liked, I didn't love it, but I liked it a lot. And, you know, I'm glad to see that the kind of subject material that was addressed in this film is getting this kind of recognition. And for that to kind of come off and win an award for Best Picture, certainly I hope will kind of help to change the direction a little bit of the, um, you know, the kinds of films that are getting made. If I had to pick my choice for, for the best picture, I would give it to The Fablemans. I mean, I thought it was just such a well-made movie in so many ways. And, um, you know, it it could still, you know, pull off the upset. It's it's received um, a number of awards at film festivals coming across as like the audience choice, like at the Toronto Film Festival. I mean, it was the audience choice there. Um, but I just don't know if it's got enough momentum behind it to catch up to everything I'm surprised that, that um well the whale sh I think the whale should be there women oh, talking absolutely yeah women talking I liked women talking a lot I think the performances were phenomenal I didn't like the end but the performances were really really good um and Sarah Polly you know god bless her to get this done because I think you know she she was She's played Anna Green Gables when she was a little girl, you know. Like I yeah. remember Sarah just, and now she's this director, and she's doing such a great job. But um, I did, I did enjoy it though. It was well I, with women talking. I enjoyed the performances, and I enjoyed the cinematography and the production design. Yeah. And certainly, it dealt with issues that are, you know, really worthy of being addressed. But I thought it was boring. I mean, I felt like I was watching a college discussion group. <laughs> you know, and I mean. Uh, I, I really liked, you know, Sarah Polly's movie Away From Her that yeah. came out with Julie Christie a few years ago. So this was a little bit of a letdown compared to, you know, what I've seen her do before. Um, but, um, you know, Strong I'm surprised. Strong Yeah, I'm surprised that none of the actresses in this film didn't yeah. get nominated for supporting actress. I mean, you know, Claire Foy and Jesse Buckley and, and Julie Ivey. Oh I mean, they, they all could have been nominated. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that that raises an interesting point that that to me, this really is a prime example of why I think the Oscars need to add a category for best ensemble. Um, because when you've got a film that's got so many individual terrific performances, how can you pick one, yeah. you know, to be part of a, a single performance nomination group? I mean, that just... It, it, I think they need to correct that. I think there's a lot of people pushing that because a lot of other awards competitions do have best ensemble categories. And I think the Oscars definitely need to add it. Um, 
As far as uh, some of the other ones in this group, I mean, Top Gun Maverick, it got nominated because it made a lot of money. Yeah. And, you know, it's got some good cinematography, but it does not belong in this category. No. Um, uh, Avatar, The Way of Water, great visuals, does not belong in this category. It was, you know, not a great film in many ways. It was not. No. So, I mean, th- there's it a... It was an Avatar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, All Quiet on the Western Front, I mean... You know, it's supposed to be an anti-war film, but when I watched it, it was really more like, let's see how many different ways we can show people getting killed. You know what? I didn't see it, but I read a lot of stuff and watched some stuff on it, mm-hmm. and it reminded me of that one from a couple of years back, the British oh, 1917? One. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the difference between this and 1917 is that 1917 had a very noble story associated with it. You had people who were trying to get the word out to prevent um, a, a calamity. Right. This one is is about, you know, a group of young, youngsters and friends who go off to fight the war, and you see them getting picked off one by one in different ways. Well, okay, we know that, you know, the whole idea of war is hell and so forth, but there's just nothing uplifting about it. It just got to be like, you know, an exercise in carnage after a while. Yeah. And I so, think that's, that's the problem with, with, you know, when they do movies about war and stuff, it, there was always this, maybe maybe the only thing I can say is that they're trying to show is that, you know, that back then kids used to want to go to war and it was like yeah. a difficult and it was, oh, I'm going to go to war and fight for my country. And now nobody wants to go to war. And fight for my country. No. <laughs> like, why would I? Like, they don't believe in anything, you know? So maybe yeah. that's the only dichotomy, I don't know. I mean, you know, it, it had it, technically it had some, you know, good elements to it, the special effects and so forth and the cinematography. But I mean, the movie was a real downer. Plus, it was a long film. It was almost three hours. And I I was kind of counting the minutes yeah. <laughs> waiting for it to end. I'm like, <laughs> OK, I mean, we, we know popcorn in the world. We know where this is ultimately going to head. It's kind of like, OK, you picked off one and another, 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 and like. You know, yeah, when you yeah. get down to having just a few left, it's like, okay, how are you going to do them in? You know, yeah, yeah. And that's essentially yeah. what this film did. And I just, I don't know, it, it just didn't sit well with me. So, so, so there you have it. I mean, um, you know, we'll, we'll know, we'll have a clearer picture after the Screen Actors Guild Awards this weekend because they will either uh, upset the apple cart or they will lock people in you know, to who the favorites are at this point. So go go check out these movies if you haven't. Yeah. Uh, enjoy. Let us know your thoughts on them. Maybe you'll like stuff we didn't. Maybe you'll like stuff we did. Who knows? But definitely, if you love the movies, go and see them. And and definitely go and check out the, uh, the best and worst list. You'll see a lot more movies than we're talked about here today, uh, either in connection with new reviews or with the Oscars. So there you go. Take care. We're okay. Ready. Take care, everybody. Bye.